Welcome, everybody, to 12-Pack Radio, the best friggin' podcast covering the Conference of Champions, Pac-12 football, Pac-12 recruiting. I'm Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at uh, 12-Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio, and you can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, you name it, we are there. Just search 12-Pack Radio, or uh, I, think any, I think even if you just put Pac-12, we are on there. We are continuing our series. I think we're on part six of all of the Pac-12 teams. We're doing deep dives position by position. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we've done Washington, Utah, uh, USC, uh, and a couple other ones. Anyway, like subscribe because we're going to do all 12. And as we go into the season, we're going to continue to do these. So just know that this isn't like a one-off series of 12 uh, teams. We're going to do weekly uh, previews and reviews of what happened in the Pac-12. And I have an announcement to make. We're really excited about this. Um, at the Wildcat Radio Podcast, which is an Arizona podcast, last year we did a survivor pool uh, for the Pac-12, which is basically a contest for our listeners, and it went really well. We have this network of Pac-12 podcasts. It's the Utah Man Podcast, Freeballing Podcast, Dog Pod, uh, the Damn Podcast, and Shock the World, all these different podcasts with fan bases. And basically, we did a league, which is a survivor pool, which is basically um, each week you pick one Pac-12 team just to win their game, and you can only pick each team once. Uh, so basically, if your team wins, you move on. And if they lose, you're out. And uh, we did like a cross promotion between all these different podcasts. So uh, you can compete against Utah fans and Washington fans and all that stuff. If you're interested, we're going to do that again. And I think we had like over 50 uh, people that decided to join. So we're hoping to blow that out even more. If you want to join, you can uh, basically hit us up in one of two ways. The first is you can tweet the podcast, 12-Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio, with your team name, or you can email us right now um, just at, at my email address, which is wildcatradioaz at gmail.com, wildcatradioaz at gmail.com, and definitely join. It'll be very fun. And the one thing to note is we will read your name on air if you lose. So if you don't want to have your public name on there, just give us some fun team name or whatever. We would be glad to have you i am joined finally we have a three-person podcast that is just wildcat radio i'm kind of excited about this i am uh, joined by mr rick denice welcome back man hey guys uh hope you're doing well and uh happy to be back on the podcast glad to have you man and we are also joined by mr rob bowerin what's going on rob uh, not much. I'm really excited to talk some Cal football. What a crazy, uh, what a crazy team! Again, this is a continuation of our Pac-12 series where we're covering every team, and uh, basically, this is all coming from our completely uncalled for Pac-12 preview. Um, uh, funky game against Arizona, right? It was like a, a last-second interception from Colin Schooler, and I think that uh, in, in overtime, and I think that highlights basically what Cal season was like, where they were just hit or miss, funky. Uh, they, they came out and, and beat the crap out of North Car- uh, North Carolina, traveling across country, playing at like eight o'clock Pacific time, and then they drop a bunch of team uh, games to the Pac-12. The team played better than we thought they were going to be. Just a just a hodgepodge of of stuff in this program and it's really fun to break them down rob let me throw it to you first you have the advanced statistics i'm curious to see if they were able to make sense out of this inconsistent team all year so what what did they say about cal this year or i'm sorry in 2017 so cal is an interesting team they, they actually overachieved versus the projection from the preseason model but they finished number 67 uh, their offense took a major drop off versus the prior year. So Sunny Dykes offense that last year that he had Davis Webb graded out at 28th. Uh, they only finished at 86th last year, which was not a very good offense. 
Um, what they were good at, they were good at drive efficiency. So they could put longer drives together against some of the better, even against some of the better defenses that they played. Uh, but they were not good at explosiveness. So Cal simply was not able to put up really big explosive plays to put up points. Uh, that's a major problem. They didn't play the world's toughest schedule. Most Pac-12 teams didn't because they didn't play. There are not a lot of great defenses in the Pac-12 last season. Um, they were reasonably effective uh, on the pass, ranking 41st, uh, but they only ranked 101st against the run. So Bo Baldwin's team, I think, he aims to be more balanced than he was last season. Uh, so I would expect them to come in and maybe run the ball more uh, next season. Um, they they were much, much improved. I mean, it sounds weird to say because I'm knocking them for being 81st on defense, but they were 120-something the year before on, on defense, and they ranked 75th last year. So huge improvement under Wilcox and DeRoyter. Um, what they were good at, they were sort of the converse of the offense. Like Cal's uh, defense last year did give up some long drives, uh, but they were very good at containing explosive plays, ranking 18th. So that's the kind of thing that uh, I think good uh, – good sort of disciplined defenses do is they don't give up big plays. You see that with Utah's defense, like Utah's defense is often geared around not giving up big plays and giving up points through that. Um, they did play a reasonably tougher schedule ranking 33rd pac 12 had some pretty good offenses. Um, and they did. I mean, that Arizona game is, is an interesting game because they gave up some big plays to Khalil Tate, uh, but they were really the first team that sort of started to figure him out a little bit on defense, um, switching to zone, um, putting a spy on him they were they they contained him much more in the second half uh, than they did in the first um so i would expect that my i mean i think a lot of people would expect that that defense could even improve coming into this year does that jive with what you saw on the field rick man i mean geez i arizona and the cal program mirror each other in so many ways it's it's almost scary (laughs) sometimes i i feel like you could just flip the names and you pretty much have the same exact team in a lot of ways and and i think as you alluded to the schedule uh you take a look at what they did last year and i mean you know you beat up on an sec team um in in old miss um and you take it to unc which you know was a terrible acc team but an acc team nonetheless all the way across the country um in an early time zone slot and then um to finish out the year you know they had two uh games one one against uh, stanford that was a three-point loss and then once one against ucla that was a three-point loss and had they won you know one of those or both of those uh you know we would have talked about this team um you know probably a little bit differently and so um as as you know rob alluded to obviously with the advanced metrics uh, you know they're they're kind of hard to figure out and i think it's it's very similar um, to kind of the rich rod teams, um, you know, in the year one, year two. Um, and I love their coach. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan. Um, when, when he left Wisconsin to, to actually go to Cal, I was like, this guy is going to, to lead Cal, I think back to the promised land. But, um, I, I look at, at the two regimes between, uh, rich Rodriguez, um, and, and what Cal has going on now in year two. And I think it's very similar in terms of, you don't quite know what you're going to get 
because the results from game to game are going to be so out of whack. But overall, I could see Cal really improving. And, and yeah, they're, they were picked to finish fourth um, in the north. But I could see them improving and pulling off some big upsets. And, and um, you know, having a, uh, you know, I think a similar season, even though they're great at, graded out at winning five, uh, you know, five games this year, um, graded out and maybe winning seven this year um, based on that offense and based on an improvement with that defense. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I see as well. Let's go into them position by position, starting with the quarterback, because I had a ton of question marks about Ross Bowers being the guy there. And at the beginning of the season, we had talked a lot about whether or not he uh, belonged in the Pac-12 or in a Power 5 conference. The The answer was yes. It wasn't a like resounding yes, but it was still a yes nonetheless, where I think at times he really was able to show that he could manage an offense. And the fact that Cal brought in a quarterback like Brandon McIlwain, who was the uh, a transfer from South Carolina, and that Ross Bowers has still stiff-armed him, at least in spring ball, um, and continue to be the guy there, I think is really promising if you're a Cal fan. His numbers weren't like overwhelming, so he completed about 60% of his passes for 3,000 yards. He had 18 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, so he clearly turned the ball over too much. Uh, but again, it was his first time playing, uh, you know, with college football at Division One level, and uh, and that was pretty encouraging for me. Uh, one thing to look out for is it sounds like he's been challenged by Chase Forrest, who was, um, or I'm sorry, Chase Garbers, I think is the guy that's challenging him. I'll have to go back and look. It's one of the chases I always get mixed up. But he is getting pushed a little bit from um, other players there on the the uh, on the roster but not probably from brandon McElwain, who i didn't think was all that good anyway i'm sorry it's chase forrest is the guy that's challenging him um chase garbers by the way is the number 11 pro style quarterback so bo baldwin's gonna have uh some talent in berkeley for a while but i was just so surprised by the fact that their passing attack was fairly strong um under a player like bowers and it, it i think it's a testament to the staff that they have there and the offensive coordinator uh what do you think rob I would agree with that. I mean, I think I think Bowers is a little underrated. Um, the Cal offense overall wasn't very good, uh, and they did really struggle to put up big plays. So it, there wasn't a lot sort of taking pressure off of him, and um, the offensive line really wasn't great yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, with the with the running game grading out sort of where it did. Um, it, it could sort of disguise, I think, what was, you know, a sneaky, decent passing attack. And, I mean, it's not surprising given the kind of guys that Sonny Dykes had recruited in at, at the wide receiver spots and the tight ends that um, that Bowers had a, had a kind of a under-the-radar year. Oh, absolutely. But when you grade out the quarterback, it was not bad. And if you're a Cal yeah. fan, like, you take that. I mean, it's particularly – I mean, the fact that Sonny Dykes – knew that he was starting a grad transfer and and basically gave all of his quarterbacks behind him zero playing time the entire year when Cal sucked anyway, I think is a travesty to that program. And it shows you that he was basically going out with two middle fingers in the air. Um, I mean, just the (laughs) fact that he gave them no time and no experience uh, in in any position to succeed. So uh, the fact that Bowers came in and played pretty well, I think it was, I was impressive. I was impressed by it. Uh, Moving to the running back. I mean, it seems like we're on a broken record, but like in a, in a conference of excellent running backs, Patrick Laird was buried in, in the sense that he had a, a season with 1,100 yards 
averaging six yards a carry and eight touchdowns in addition to 45 receptions. I mean, he had himself a heck of a year. What what was going on? Was that because everybody else on that, that team, those running back sucked. But Laird was awesome. Is that yards after uh, after contact or what, what do you think made him so good, Rob? I think he's I mean, he's he's a bit of a bruiser, you know, and he's a he's a powerful guy. Um, and I, I think it was his ability really to also catch out of the backfield and really work with the system. I mean, he, he, when he was asked to block, he blocked well, um, you know, dude, there's not as many sort of dynamic sort of all around talents, uh, in the PAC 12, like he, uh, really was it would hurt them was that there was, as you alluded to, there's just literally nothing other than Patrick Laird. Yeah, it was brutal. Like, and when you look at their depth now, He's going to be awesome, and I think this offensive line is going to be improved. By the way, uh, the coaching staff that Justin Wilcox brought was excellent in terms of Bull Baldwin. Then you had, uh, I always call him like uh, Grayson Greyjoy or Strongbeard or whatever. It sounds like he's a Game of Thrones character, but basically he was able to pick off Wilcox, the offensive line coach for Oregon under Chip Kelly, and he was excellent. Like Oregon always had really good offensive lines, and this is a guy that is highly respected in the college uh, profession. So very exciting that he's there to basically mold what was nothing on the offensive line and try to make it into a coherent unit. But when you look after Patrick Laird, I mean, maybe it's Biagio Ali Walsh, who was the number twenty seven, uh, number twenty seventh running back in the twenty seventeen class. He's probably going to secure the number two spot. He redshirted last year, so like we don't really know what you have there. And then it's a guy that was a converted r- wide receiver, secondary running back mascot, like you know SID, <laughs> like and Alex uh, Netherda, I think is how you pronounce his name. So it's kind of weird what they have behind them because I think anybody after Laird averaged like three and a half yards of carry. It was awful. But they do bring in a couple other players. Johnny Adams is the number 13 all-purpose back of 2018. They bring the number 23 all-purpose back of 2018. So it's going to be the Laird show. But if somebody's going to step forward, it's going to be these younger players that had some pedigree uh, stepping into the program. Rick, are, would you be worried about facing this running back core if you are you know, generic Pac-12 fan? <laughs> I'd be worried if uh, Patrick Laird got hurt uh, or, or did <laughs> <Yes>, get hurt <laughs> if I was a Cal fan. But um, yeah, I, you know, there's I, we talk about a lot about these position groups, um, especially the ones that a lot of experience. And I think, you know, it's kind of like us, uh, you know, where you have a mix of young guys that we you you don't quite know what you have. Um, and you look at a big back like Chris Brown, who's six two, two twenty five 225 as a freshman. And, and, you know, you've got some meat there to be able to pound, um, you know, th- through that offense. Um, and especially if the, uh, the offensive line improves, you could see one of those young guys um, kind of rise up and, and take that number two spot or, or at least be in the mix um, to get some carries as well. So I, I think that they've got a good core. I think the biggest thing that Patrick Laird brings outside of obviously his running style his, is his ability to pass catch, especially out of that offense. I mean, he had 45 receptions for 322 yards last year, 7.1 yards per reception. I mean, that's a big, big weapon too, that, um, you know, we don't necessarily think about, um, you know, in, in that type of an offense, but, um, he, he was a pretty big safety valve, um, for Bowers last year. So I would be concerned if I'm a Cal fan, uh, based on the, the lack of depth, but, um, if you've got Patrick Laird healthy and you can find a significant number two, um, and maybe even number three to come in and, and get a few carries from time to time um, that's just going to get him off the field and get him some rest um, I think you're in you're in decent shape yeah keep a lookout for Ollie Walsh though 
if you follow Cal football and like five people follow Cal football, but I am one of them. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that is coming out of a lot of the blogs and articles that are written about spring ball. Now we're moving into fall camp, so this could change, but people are really high on Ollie Walsh and the, and the fact that, that he's expected to be the number two guy there. And he uh, came in with some accolades. So uh, just something to keep a look is out he, for there. Mm-hmm. Is he a bit more of a speedster? I mean, cause part of the problem with this offense is they just, they did not put up explosive plays and, Laird's a guy. He's a little. He's got a little Kadeem carry in him. He can get caught from behind. <laughs> um, you, uh, they really need to find somebody that can be a little bit more of a home run threat. Not that Laird's not going to be fine and put up big yards. I think that's absolutely true. And his ability to catch the ball is dynamic. But um, they could they could use somebody with some wheels. No, for sure. So he's five ten, one ninety, and yeah. granted, this is spring ball number. So I'm sure he's going to be like you know six five, you know two hundred fifty pounds. The way that they exaggerate all these guys' numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see if he can uh, bring a little bit more lightning to that layered like thunder. Because you're right. Like anytime I saw him play, uh, Laird was like, "Wow, that that guy's great." He, he never blew me away with his speed, but like he was just in the right place. He knew the holes, and like he was able to kind of lower his shoulder and do some sleazy stuff. And and that is that's the back that I fear more than the, the speedy guy behind there is somebody that can you know get a few yards after the tackle in terms of continuing those drives. So uh, that is a yeah. good question. Let's get to the receivers because they took a major blow. So when Sonny Dykes got to Berkeley. He recruited uh, Demetrius Robertson, who is the number one athlete in the country. And as a freshman, he caught 50 passes for 750 yards, which is legit. He is gone, as also is uh, the second guy. I think it was uh, Meliqui Stovall, who was like another top 10 wide receiver in his class. And they both have left the program, which is a total bummer because I was really excited to see those guys play. They were a little different. Robertson had the size. Stovall was, was smaller, but they were both excellent receivers and really could have been instrumental in this Cal passing office, particularly under Justin Wilcox and Bo Baldwin. Um, with that said, they have a couple players. So the player I detested the most last year, who I wish was on our team, and this is in no way uh, a reflection of his character, more just the fact that he was so frustratingly good. Uh, and that was uh, Kanawai Noah, who uh, was, th- you talk about security blankets, like, Anytime Cal needed, you know, anytime a defense pushed Cal towards like third and eight and the crowd's going nuts, like every single time Noah caught the football for like a nine yard, just one yard more than he needed every single time. He was an excellent possession receiver, uh, 56 receptions for 788 yards and four touchdowns. He absolutely is going to be playing on this uh, offense, as is Vic Wharton, who is another pretty solid possession guy, 67 receptions. That's a lot of balls to catch, by the way, for 871 yards. After that, though, uh, you know, Rob, you mentioned the tight ends and, and I get that, but like I'm a little bit more concerned with who's going to step up in this offense because it's not like the wide receivers were pouring into Berkeley after uh, Sonny Dykes left. So what do you think about this wide receiving core? I think they're a little thin. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think they're the losses that they just had are, are very big for them, um, especially because, as I alluded to, like they needed some speed. I mean, they needed to put up some big plays. They needed to put up more big plays. And Bo Baldwin was a guy. His his teams at Eastern Washington could you know really move the ball and put up you know put up uh, you know crooked numbers pretty quickly. So I I think you look through this and you think you know Cal 
Cal is a team that they're a little like UCLA. Um, not they don't recruit quite as well as well as UCLA, but they recruited pretty well over the years. Uh, it never quite seems to translate onto the field in a lot of cases, and so you go through their these lists of wide receivers that they have, guys that haven't really hit the field yet, but they some of them were reasonably highly rated recruits, and you know we'll see. I mean, it's not they're not quite as like you know like going through UCLA's depth chart, but. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they have a sixth year tight end, which is like, what, what's going on here? Uh, Ray Hudson, like comes back, you know, from, I think he was part of the, uh, 20, uh, 2008 class, like just, just a guy that's been around for a long time. Uh, but he is quite good. Six three two forty five. 245. Um, he brings a lot of experience, and then you add the fact that a player like Gavin uh, Rain, uh, Rainwald, who was a, as a true freshman, was saw the field and was fairly solid. Like I do think that this is a program, Rick, like you mentioned, has uh, kind of a wide receiving course similar to Arizona's, where you have some small guys that can definitely catch passes, a lot of question marks on the big guys, and then you have some tight end options. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I would say it's it's uh, fairly similar to what we have going on. And um, I, you know, you look at at the the size across the board. I mean, there's a few guys that could be, you know, some pretty good outside threats that run six three, six two, and then you've got a lot of those slot type guys. Um, and a lot of the go, I mean, they're going to need a good three or four guys to step up um, to to really be efficient uh, in that offense and and get open for Bowers. And again, you know, I think with the wide receiver core being such a big question mark especially after those two uh kids leaving um now it's it's the the onus kind of falls on patrick laird to have that much of a bigger season both um as a running back but also as a pass catcher out of the backfield while they get those guys integrated especially early on the season yeah no i'm I'm with you and let's move to the offensive line here's the here's the good news they return all five starters you have five players that saw significant time on the offensive line last year. This is a seasoned uh, unit that uh, has a good coach, and they have a top 15 uh, offensive tackle coming in in Will Craig. So there are some pieces there. That's the great news. Uh, Rob, tell us the bad news. Uh, they weren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's look at the bright side. They were young. Yeah. Uh, so there's that, and they just had a new coaching staff, and I, I, they may have switched uh, away from a zone blocking scheme. So that's good. But yeah, I mean, you expect some progression forward. They weren't a me- like they they were bad, but they weren't as bad as on paper they should have been. I think did, did the numbers bear that out? Because I, I remember I did the Cal preview last year, and I was like, oh my gosh, who's even going to start on this line? This is such a mess. And you know, they didn't. They didn't fully embarrass themselves, right? Or may- maybe they did. It's sort of hard to tell. I mean, the, like the offensive line is, in my view, where the offense usually has its bread buttered, and the the offense fell like fifty spots. So a lot of it is on. I think a lot of it is on the line. Um, when you look at, I mean, Laird had a pretty good year. They did have. I mean, you look at the two guys that transferred out. I mean, they. Cal had a decent year throwing the ball around last year. Um, they just gave up a lot of negative plays, a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage, a lot of sacks. You know, those things hurt your offense significantly. Oh, absolutely. Rick, you're 6'9", 500 pounds. What makes a good offensive lineman? 
<laughs> well, I, I think you have different types, right? I mean, I, I think that there's, um, you know, some guys that, uh, you know, are going to be your six, three, six, four, you know, three twenty uh, monsters. Um, but you got to be able to be athletic and move. And, and I think that's kind of the way college football has gone. Um, you know, as of the last 10 years is, you know, we need guys and, and, you know, granted, we always talk about this on the defensive line that there's only so many guys you can go after, but, uh, it resides the same way on the offensive line where you got to have guys that are athletic and can still move, even though they're tipping the scales at, you know, 300, 310, 320. Um, even one of the guys in the mix is 350 for Cal. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big play moving a lot of beef. So, um, so I think, I think at the end of the day, it's finding, you know, not only a, a, a group of, of, um, you know, athletic guys that can, that can play football, but also how cohesive that group is. And I think, um, one thing about this offensive line group too, is that if you look at some of the Cal games and I went back and watched, um, you know, just some of the replays and stuff, there's, there were a lot of predictable situations that Cal got stuck in that basically anybody who had a defensive line, which is not Arizona, um, could kind of pin their ears back and really go after the quarterback, um, you know, on that second and long third and long type situation. So, um, that's something to keep in mind and take a look at as, as Cal kind of moves forward through their, uh, you know, first three, four games against, you know, mediocre opponents is, you know, are they able to stay ahead of the sticks, um, and, and provide that offensive line some help and not make things so predictable, um, for defenses to pin their ears back on that stuff. All right, let's move to the defense here, which wasn't bad last year. They finished 75th in beta rank, which was quite good, and and certainly outperformed the players they had on the field last year. I was just, I thought this was going to be one of the worst defenses in the country, and the fact that they were able to hold their own against, you know, like a fine schedule was quite impressive. When we look at the defensive line, um, not a lot of star power here. You have a guy like Chris Palmer who had 18 tackles, uh, Luke Paquette. 27 tackles, two tackles for a loss. Uh, Tevin Paul, 6'4", 265, 18 tackles. And then just a bunch of dudes. I mean, they even recruited a guy from Japan. So shout out to the recruiting prowess of Justin Wilcox. International. He's huge in Japan. Um, The fact that they have all these players, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they're able to step in and make this unit a strong one because it certainly doesn't look like it on paper. This could be one of the worst defensive lines in the Pac-12. With that said, I thought last year was going to be one of the worst defensive lines in the Pac-12, and they weren't terrible. And I think that is a testament to coaching and player development. So I'm kind of in this weird position, Rob, and and I'm interested to see what you think about them, where on paper this looks like it's a mess, this defensive line. But they have a decent coaching staff, and um, I almost kind of want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they will at least finish in like the – like they will finish outside the bottom three. I don't know, like which might be like setting expectations really low. But if they exceed that, just looking at the roster they have right now, that might be a compliment for them. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think the the defensive line. I don't. I don't look at them as as likely. Any of them is likely to make an All Pac twelve team, but uh, the defense that they're running, they're not. They're mostly asked to gobble up blocks, um, and and the linebackers are are you know sort of the the vector to get in and make the tackle or hit the quarterback so um if they could do that again and they they certainly have uh at least in two cases you know some size and who we project to be the starters um with Paquette and Palmer um I think they could be they could be good I mean 
within the system, I guess you could say. Like I, I'm not expecting, like I said, I'm not expecting these guys to 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 make an All America team. Yeah, like Luke Bacchett, right? Was a hybrid defensive end slash tackle. He's six two, three hundred pounds, and he was like their end. So when you talk about eating space, like he was eating a lot of space and on the edge, which is quite impressive. Um, so really, the pressure that you're going to see the numbers will probably come from the linebacking core. Rick, when you look at the depth here, is there anybody that scares you outside the Japanese Fui Maono? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you take a look at it, and uh, and they kind of had us again. We we talk about the the uh, similarities between Arizona and Cal, uh, but they they were similar to us in terms of you know you got one guy basically over th- three hundred five, and uh, Zende Johnson's uh, over three, and then the rest of them are all at 280, 265 basically. Yeah. So um, you know when you start rotating those guys in, especially on uh, you know a, a three down lineman look, um, you know you need some more beef up front, and and you know ideally you'd like to see those guys uh, bulk up and be a little bit bigger. And I'm sure Justin Wilcox is going to address that in future years. So um, I, nobody really stands out or scares me, especially with the returning, um, uh, you know, I, uh, the returning uh, results from what they did in 2017. Um, but again, you know, it looks like that they do have some younger guys as well that might get a, get a better shot to play and might prove themselves in fall camp and, and be, um, you know, legitimate, uh, you know, depth for uh, their, uh, defensive line yeah i guess just one more thing on the defensive line because it isn't that good but there are times where there are space eaters that are like excellent vita vea uh low to any of the low to guys over at utah um harrison phillips who had like 100 tackles and he was 300 pounds so none of those people are on this team these are like space eaters and in, in the sense of like well, maybe they'll get a couple tackles, but they're not monsters and there's not somebody that you're going to fear. So it'll really be interesting to see if teams are able to run on them. But the one thing is that they uh, they held last year teams to about 4.1 yards per carry, which isn't terrible for, again, for the roster that they had. So kind of setting expectations fairly low, but um, they may be exceeded. Let's move to the linebacking core because that's a little bit more exciting. Uh, you have a potential all-conference guy, and uh, Jordan Kunisik, who uh, is a senior. He had 74 tackles, six tackles for a loss, two interceptions, and a forced fumble in nine games. He returns, and he's healthy. Um, he's definitely a player that could step up. You have a lot of players that saw a lot of time on the field. Uh, Jaron Brown, Cameron Good, Alex Funches, Evan Weaver. These are all players that had more than 30 tackles on, on the field last year. Uh, Rob, what do you think about this linebacking core? I like this linebacking core. I think they could be really good. I think Wilcox uh, and Droider are going to use them really well to to get around and, and fill gaps. I think they they covered reasonably well. Um, they read fairly well. Uh, they weren't there. They were asked to do a lot in the system. Uh, I think, and I, I think they did it all pretty well last season. Actually, I, I there's there's some guys on here that I actually think you could see you know make an All Pac 12 team at the end of the year. Rick. Yes. What do you think about these? Well, the one thing is like, so, and I, I listed all those dudes and yes, they had a lot of tackles, but Alex Funches is the only guy that came back that had more than double digit tackles for a loss. And granted that's tough, but you don't see the havoc type numbers in this linebacking core that you would want to see if you have a bunch of space eaters up front. So I don't know, like it'll be, maybe this is a, a team that's great in pass coverage, and can you know close out tackles really quickly but do you see this core as one that's going to put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses because we've seen teams uh, like Arizona that haven't been able to do that in the past and it's quite frustrating 
Yeah, well, again, to Rob's point, I think schematically it's all about um, you know what what position Justin Wilcox and that defensive staff um, puts these guys in in terms of their blitz packages and in terms of um, disguising some of their coverages. Um, you know, again, especially in a three four night, you know, I think we were a huge victim of this. You have to have really solid um, you know defensive line play, especially that nose tackle position um, lining up over the a gaps, um, just to kind of keep those guys off of those lines. Backers um, and and really what I what I think you're at least what I'm accustomed to is not seeing as many tackles for loss and more of that three four scheme um, because you know you just have so much space um, you know between those down linemen um, if you're not constantly uh, you know blitzing those middle gaps so um, I'm interested to see if if they get a little bit better defensive line play this year if if you don't see more tackles for loss um, you know from these guys um, and they're a little bit more disruptive especially with those extra years um, of that extra year of experience um, and, and how much depth that they actually have and how many guys they can rotate in and in and out of there. And it doesn't appear that they're running like the, the what you would think of like the predator hybrid, you know, type egg down, down lineman backer, Sleaze. the sleeve spot. Yeah, I mean, every team has such a stupid name for it. It's like you I know, know the, yeah. the bowling ball, the the deuce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yes, Cal does not have the the jackhammer backer uh, coming down. <laughs> um, like, so there's there's but there's no sort of you know designated hitter here that's you know always rushing the quarterback. Um, so they they are sort of spread out. But I mean, this defense didn't. I don't think you know relied on the blitz a lot last year. They didn't give up big plays. They they really sort of you know held tight to what they were expected to do. Yeah, yeah, and and I think. Again, this Cal team is so funky because it has all these question marks and stuff, but I really do like this coaching staff. I think it's quite good. So you could see a defense that doesn't have the numbers like in the backfield that you, you know, that would jump out for a team like ASU, a team that gave a million points, you know, last year under Todd Graham. And this defense might be better, even though they don't have those numbers. Although, like, as somebody that. I mean, I would, I would always want to have some of those numbers, like still, you know, even, even if we're giving up a couple big plays, cause you want to keep yeah. the pressure on these defenses, but it'll be really interesting to see. And I think the secondary is not bad. We keep talking about the PAC 12 being the conference of underclassmen corners that are quite good. And again, here we are, Elijah Hicks, who is likely an NFL player, um, 5'11". He's a little short, uh, 185, but he as a true freshman, uh, just blew up as a defensive player on this Cal team. He is quite good. Um, and he was side by side with Cameron Bynum, who, uh, as a red shirt, uh, freshman, like legitimately started he had 58 tackles eight passes broken up two interceptions uh elijah hicks is the better of the two uh but you have two guys that like started as freshmen that were good enough to see the field as freshmen granted you know there's probably some turmoil in the cal (laughs) in the cal depth there but the fact that they were able to be part of a secondary that wasn't bad um and then you bring back two guys like uh quentin uh uh Tartable and uh, Jalen Hawkins. Sorry, I was scrolling uh, through the the, the secondary guys. Um, th- those guys saw legitimate time too, and they got a guy named uh, Evan Rambo who had ten tackles. Good for him. Good for Rambo um, and Ashton Day. Like, <laughs> who is is missing out on his calling as the jackhammer backer? The jack. I know, man. Like you should have moved move him up like Arizona does. You know, just burn burn your safeties, uh, <laughs> just sink their NFL uh, potential. So. Um, 
I, I, look, I named I named a bunch of dudes, like whatever. Um, in terms of the secondary, I guess what I'm trying to say is, when it comes to the safeties, you have three guys that um, that are have seen the field that are quite good um, that are experienced as safeties, and then you have Elijah Hicks and Cameron Bynum, who who are quite good and should get better under this uh, this defensive coaching staff. Uh, Rob, are you as excited about them as I am? Yeah, I think these guys are young uh, for the most part. Like as you alluded to, like. Um, the two corners in particular, I think are young and they played, but they played really well. Um, and I, 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 am excited for this Cal defense. Actually, I think Wilcox and DeRoyder did a bang up job last year. Uh, and I think they're only going to get better. And I think it's really going to start as you, as you said, like right out of coming out of the secondary. So one player to look out for is Chigazi Anusim. Um, he's the number 30, uh, 38 cornerback in the 2018 class. And yeah, whatever, 38. But he did come in uh, fairly touted, and it seems like this coaching staff is pretty excited about him. So uh, keep a lookout for that. So then you have another guy that's young, up and coming, and physical, and could step in. He's 6'2", 175, by the way. So he has the size on it on his uh, side there. So all right, so let, let's see. Let's take a back. Let's take a look back into the NCAA world of EA Sports 2018. You are playing uh, NCAA football. What grade would you give the Cal offense, Rob? Uh, so the model projects them at 50. I mean, that's really like a, a B oh, minus wow. offense. Yeah, but that's a step up from where they were last season. They return a lot of production. They ranked number 14 in returning production. Uh, now they did that, that returning production number was put together in January. So that's fallen off a bit with some of the guys they've lost recently. Um, but I think there's upside to this offense. I really like Bo Baldwin as a play caller. Um, I thought it was a great hire when they made it. Uh, so I kind of wish he was a- Arizona's coach. <laughs> I, mean, I like, kind of wish. Or, I mean, like some like, idea. You look, you look across the staff that Wilcox put together, and it was really impressive. Uh, so I think Cal's offense could have some upside. I think maybe they finish as, as high as a B. I, I think they could make it into the 40s this season. I'm going to give him a B minus. What do you think, Rick? Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more harsh and go C plus. Yeah, my man. Eh? <laughs> too many, too many question marks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That the, the receiving core all of a sudden became a question mark. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's it amazing how fast that went. It went from like, holy crap, who's going to be playing to, oh my gosh, who's going to be playing? <laughs> you know, it's just like the exact opposite sides of the spectrum there. So um, let's uh, let's talk about defense. Uh, Rob, what would you give this team if you were playing NCAA 2018? So the model has them at 56, which is, again, it's a stepwise improvement off of where they were last year. Uh, I think there's upside again. I think I, I think Wilcox and DeRoyter are two of the smartest defensive minds in the Pac-12 this season. Um, but that I don't know that they're – I think that it's going to be a little tougher sledding for them with what they have on the defensive line. So I'd, I'd give them a C plus. Um, they could maybe get to a B minus, uh, you know, with some progression through the season. Rick, are you going to give him a C minus to be the pessimist still? <laughs> no, I'm going to be the optimist guys. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with B minus. And, and the reason for that being, um, I think that, that you have those coaches, um, are, are, are great coaches. And, and again, I'm, I'm a huge fan as well. And I think that they're going to figure out a way to schematically, um, you know, improve that defense, um, along with, you know, some added experience from the linebacker in that secondary core. Um, and, and I think that, that they will, um, you know, prop 56 sounds fair, but I definitely could see 
them um, being a little bit better and, and, you know, with the quality of depth that they have um, being a, uh, you know, an impact defense in some ways um, in the Pac-12 North. Okay. There you have it. Um, This, so we're sorry that we couldn't bring on the free ball and podcast again, but they will be on next week for real this time. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It's a different guy. It's a different guy. So we'll see what happens. So uh, we will continue our uh, series of the PAC 12. Obviously we've done our Arizona ones. If you haven't listened to them, I'll like up re-upload them on the feed. We did Arizona's office and defense, but we've done four or five other teams now. So uh, we will start like cranking out these. I have Colorado lined up, Washington state lined up, and then some feelers out for some guests for, and some bigger guests actually for outside the free ball and podcast. They're going to be the best guests we've ever had. Um, but some other guests for some other teams as we move forward. So definitely stay tuned. And again, like join the, uh, the survivor pool. It's quite fun. We do a whole production of it on the podcast. So, uh, join the party and you can just tweet us or email us and let us know that you want to join gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming on and we will catch everybody next week.